Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Well, hi, Branch Life Church. Thank you so much for being here tonight. My name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to welcome you this evening. We're about to jump into God's Word together like we do every Sunday night, so uh, we, we are uh, encouraging you to follow along, and we are asking the question in our current series, which we are wrapping up tonight, who's your one? You know, if there was anybody that you would love to see come to know the Lord Jesus Christ's personal Savior anyone who could strengthen their connection to Christ, anyone who could take that step into believer's baptism and become a part of the kingdom of God, become a part of the church of God, who would that one person be? And then what are you doing about it? Are you praying? Are you investing? And are you inviting? Years ago, there was an advertisement campaign for Klondike bars. Klondike bars are square chocolate bars with vanilla ice cream in the middle they're wrapped in kind of that tin foil square wrapping, and there's a polar bear on the front. And how many of you are now really all of a sudden craving dessert? The advertisement, do you remember this? If you're my age or older, the advertisement for the Klondike bar simply said, what would you do ooh, ooh, for a Klondike bar? It was almost like a dare. It was almost like a challenge. And so every time another commercial came out, they'd sing the little jingle, what would you do for a Klondike bar? And then somebody would do something crazy to get their Klondike bar. Tonight we want to kind of ask you the same question. What would you do for the salvation of someone that was lost? How far would you go? What Ridiculous stunt would you attempt to pull off? How embarrassing would you make it for yourself? How daring, how dangerous would it get? How, how expensive would it be? What would you do if it meant that one person that you know and love could follow, become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? What would you do if it meant that one stranger who you've never met before and who you may never meet this side of glory would come to know the personal, Jesus Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior? Would you give something? Would you give a little bit? Would you give a little bit more? What about everything? How much is it worth to you to see one person come to Christ? The point of the series that we've been talking about and this is a discussion that's going to continue with us into 2020. As a matter of fact, I want to invite you to come back next week. Next week's going to be a special Sunday. It's Vision 2020 Sunday. And we're going to talk about what we believe God has for Branch Life Church in this next year. We're a church plant that's only six, seven months old. And uh, we're excited about the future of Branch Life Church. And we're going to talk that, about that in depth Next Sunday, dedicate the whole Sunday to it, Vision 2020. So come on out to that. Who's your one is going to be a part of that conversation. And here's how we sum up this series that we've been talking about in Who's Your One. We must be willing to do whatever it takes to reach the lost. I mean, that's something that Jesus himself not only demonstrated, but he instructed. We as followers of Jesus, follow me. Come and I will make you fishers of men. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus tells us over and over again that we should do whatever it takes to make disciples. And so we've been looking at the stories in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, looking at Jesus' life and Jesus' words and Jesus' instructions and the disciples' lives and words and instructions. And they all come back to this point that we must be able to, be willing to do whatever it takes to reach the lost. Now, seven billion's a big number. So where do we start? Well, it starts with one. It starts with one. You know, if you're like me, 
This week, even this weekend, has been challenging. It might have been difficult for you to get here tonight to be in this place. Your soul may be empty. You may be in need of your own spiritual encouragement. And here we are, with the gall, talking about somebody else. You might be going, what about me? What about my, what about my needs? What about my spiritual life and my spiritual growth? Tonight, I want to ask you to consider giving everything. Everything. Yourself, your time, your energy, your needs, your hurt, your pain, your vision, your future for the sake of someone else. And let's see where it takes us. So it was hard for me to get here tonight. It was one of those weekends where I could have been like, it would have been easier not to come to church. But it's better that I'm here than not. And I believe that that's what God does when he brings his people together in this place called the church. We're about to open God's word. Let's begin with some prayer. God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing each of us here tonight. We know, Lord, we all come in with cares and concerns. We come in with hurts and burdens. We come in with victories and celebrations. We come in with busy schedules, Lord, and hearts that are empty or full or half empty or half full. And God, we pray tonight that you would allow us to be still in this moment. Thank you for leading us into this space together for this conversation. Help us to hear your Holy Spirit speak to us specifically. And we pray that each one would take a spiritual step closer to you tonight, whatever that step is, whatever it may be. As we close up this series, God, we pray that you would use it in our lives, in our individual lives, in the lives of our one, and in the lives of our church. And God, may, may you be seen above all. In your precious holy name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 6, John chapter 6. As I just mentioned, we have been exploring some passages in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all about the same thing, the birth, the life, the teaching, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. Four books in the Bible all about the very same thing. I've said this every week. Why are there four books about the life of Jesus? Well, it's just that important. And so we're taking some time as a church to stop and inspect what God is showing us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about what it means to be a follower of God and why Jesus said things like, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them to do everything I've commanded you. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So we close our series out with one more demonstration of, of someone knowing Jesus bringing someone else to him. We've seen this over and over again. Jesus called Simon, and Simon brought Peter. Jesus called Philip, and Philip brought Nathaniel. And they, they each continued to bring one other person to Jesus because they loved and cared about them and said, hey, we have found the one. We have found the Messiah. We have found God, and you need to find him too. And so over and over again, Jesus called to someone to follow them, to follow him, and those followers brought more people to Jesus. It's disciples who make disciples. That's why we want to be here at Branch Life Church. That's, that's why we say found people, find people. And the mark of a mature believer, the mark of a mature disciple, someone who is growing in their faith, is that they reproduce and bring more people that faith. So as we grow in our relationship with God, we're called to do this. And, and so we want to see this one more time and see what God has for us. In John chapter 6, we have a very famous story and it's titled, The Feeding of the 5,000. This is one of those great miracles that comes up, right? And, and whether you're someone who's familiar with the life of Jesus or the Bible or not, you've probably heard this particular story at one point in your life. So we want to read this together and, and uh, see, remind ourselves of the details of this really incredible story. Let's start in verse 5. Lifting up his eyes, Jesus, and then seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, remember Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, 
for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of these to even get a little. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, remember Andrew's come up in the last couple of weeks, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many people? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. It's, it's like when you're about to have that really important conversation and you go, you need to sit down for this. What's about to happen is going to knock you off your feet. And so like when Jesus says, have everybody sit down, brace yourself, people. There's something happening that we need to be ready for. Stay seated. Don't stand, Branch Life, because something's going to happen. Now Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, and so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And then they had eaten their fill, and he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing may be lost or wasted. So they gathered them up, them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves and those fish that had been eaten. And when the people saw the sign that had been done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then this, they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. <laughs> Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. What an incredible story. And you probably just put one and 12 together and you're like, yeah, there's 12 baskets up there. Because what happens in this story, what everyone needed to be seated for, is Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish and he fed 5,000 times three. Because the Bible tells us there was 5,000 men, but there was also women and children. So 10, 15,000 people there in this, in this moment is not unreasonable to acknowledge. That's how many people Jesus fed. He took the loaves, he took the fish, he just started breaking them and passing them out. And people ate all that they wanted and it just kept coming and just kept coming. If you look at some of the details of the story and you think, all right, I read this story. It's kind of cool. If you're studying this for yourself in your own quiet time, you have to ask yourself, why did Jesus want me to know this story? You know, there are a lot of miracles that Jesus did. There's a lot of teaching. There's a lot of sermons that Jesus gave that we don't have record of. But we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have record of this story. So why do we need to study it and why do we need to know it? There is a truth here. There are truths here that are given to us through this story. And these truths can be a significant encouragement to us. And so every time we open God's word, we try to investigate these truths. And here at Branch Life, we often wrap these truths up into kind of statements or sayings. Sometimes we open with them, sometimes we close with them, and we bring you the truths from Scripture. I'm not making points for the sake of just making points that I think are clever. We're making points based on the words of God. So when I look at the, the feeding of the 5,000 and we look at some of the details that are here, here's one of the truths that pops out from this incredible story. God can multiply any gift you give. True or false? God can multiply any gift you give. No matter how small, no matter how insignificant you may feel it is, no matter how unworthy of God or, or how irrelevant it may be, if you give a gift to God, God can, if he so chooses, multiply that gift over and over and over and over again. So 15,000 people had gathered to hear Jesus. He was concerned about their well-being. They hadn't been eating. And so he said, we have to do something about this. Philip, what are we going to do? Philip says, I, I don't think we have enough money. This is Philip. This is Philip who usually goes and gets someone and brings him to Jesus, right? Philip, who's your one? And Philip thought, immediately thought, we need more money. And God said, no, it's not about the money. 
And so then he turns to Andrew. Remember Andrew? Andrew who brought Simon, right? And he, he says to Andrew, Andrew, what are we going to do about it? Andrew had brought a boy. He brought a boy to Jesus to solve this incredible problem, a boy. He brings up this little insignificant boy, the boy who wasn't even numbered in the 5,000. They only counted men. And he brought this boy up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, here is a boy. I'm bringing you one. And Jesus looks at the boy and he sees the five loaves of bread and he sees the two fish and he says to the boy, and we don't know exactly how the conversation went, can I have that food? Son, would you be willing to give me as a gift your bread and your fish? I know it's your dinner. I know that you brought it for yourself. But son, if you give this to Jesus, if you honor me with this gift, everyone's going to need to sit down because something incredible is going to happen. That boy had a decision to make. Do I keep it for myself? Do I, do I meet my need? Or do I, without knowing what's going to happen, with no guarantee of the result, hand over something that is precious to me to this Jesus who I just met? This boy gives over his, his bread and his fish and a miracle takes place that has been recorded for the ages, known by Christian and non-Christian alike as the feeding of the 5,000. And that bread fed all of those people and then at least 12 baskets left over at the end, not to go to waste. Jesus can multiply any gift you give. Andrew brought one to Christ that one gave himself to Jesus, and Jesus did some incredible things. We must be willing to do whatever it takes to reach the lost. And it starts with one. What would you give to reach one more person? What would be the thing, if Jesus asked for it, that you would be willing to give? What would be the thing that you would struggle to give? What would be the thing that you would rather not give to Jesus? What are you willing to give to Jesus? And let's look again at this story. We give some hints or given some examples of some things that Jesus often asked for. And we'll look at some other stories in the Gospels and throughout the Scripture to think about some gifts that we could possibly give to Jesus tonight as we get ready to think about there's one person that needs, that needs to hear the good news of the gospel through me. What will I give in order to reach that one person? Are you willing to give tonight your time, talent, and treasure to Jesus? Would you give your time? Would you give your talent? And would you give your treasure to Jesus? You know, when we started out to plant Branch Life Church and we thought we have to find a location where we can fit a lot of people and we can get everybody there on Sunday morning and we looked for months and months and months for that location and we couldn't find it and we finally heard from God that he said, you're asking for Sunday morning but I'm gonna give you Sunday night. And we said, God, nobody meets on Sunday night. Everybody meets on Sunday morning. And God said, no, I don't, you don't have a spot for Sunday morning. I'm giving you a spot for Sunday night. But God, Sunday night is a weird time. Sunday night is family time. Sunday night is, is football time. Sunday night is kind of like gear up for Monday time. We can't start a church on Sunday night. That's just, that's asking too much. And God said, no, that's what I want you to do. So we started Branch Life Church and we only meet on Sunday nights. And listen, people, that's weird. And that's hard. And that's a big ask. And that's a change. And we've, we've asked as a church people who want to participate in Branch to come on Sunday nights. That's a challenge for many people. But if being a part of a church on Sunday nights meant your connection with Christ could grow so that you can reach more people, would you give God that time, Sunday nights. Would you give it to him? It's an awkward time. The kids are right then cranky, and it's, the nap is just getting over, and the food is, I'm hungry right now as we speak. And it's, Would you give him that time if he asked for it? I don't know why God has asked that of this church, but he has. And here's the principle. 
God can take whatever we give him and multiply it. God can take whatever we give him and multiply it. I believe that if you say to God, God, I will give you this time, that he will then multiply the time that you need to get ready for Monday, to have family time, to have football time, that God will allow you that time, that God can supply for that time in the course of your days and your weeks, even though you have set aside this time for him. And I I don't think God just asked for Sunday nights. This is the Lord's day. This is the day that we set aside to celebrate the Lord. We give this day to him. And so God, what would you have for me on this day? How could I serve you in this way? Are you willing to give God your time even if he asked for your favorite night of the week? Even if he asked for more of it than you think you have? Could you give God your time? Would you be willing to take some of your time away to spend more time with lost people? To serve in the community? To to give up a weekend or a weeknight so that you can just show and demonstrate the love of God to go and connect face-to-face with that person that you've been praying for and investing in, to give acts of kindness and to serve in ways, would you be willing to give that time if it meant one more person would come to Christ? Would you be willing to give of your talent? When we look in Scripture and we see God talking about gifts and talents so many times, He says, I'm going to start you with this one talent, and then if you give it to me, it will grow, and it'll expand, and it'll multiply. You have been given gifts, you have been given abilities, and you have been given uh, talents that can be used for God. And you might be sitting there and go, but Pastor Josh, I'm, I'm not, I can't speak in public like you do that, and, and that's maybe not the talent God has for you. Maybe you're just good on computers. Maybe you're good with art. Maybe you're good at connecting with people. Maybe you're good at uh, figuring out problems or, or promoting stuff on the internet. Maybe you're good at technology. Maybe you're good at uh, small acts of kindness. Maybe you're good at networking. Maybe you're good at multiplying money. Whatever talent would you say to God, this is the talent you have given me. Now I want to give it to you so that we can reach someone for Jesus. Maybe you're a super good hunter. I mean, you're good at killing things. Like that's a skill for you. How can you give God hunting so that someone else can come to Christ for his glory and his honor? I wrote a paper in seminary. Yes, I went to seminary. And the paper was, would Jesus shoot a 10-point buck? It was an ethics class. We had to debate it. I said, yeah, he would. Yeah, he would. Would you give your talents? Would you give your treasure? Time and, treasure, time and talents aren't the hard ones in, in my personality. But treasure, whew, that's tough. There are things that I like and that I love and that I want. And so I treasure them. The word just gives you that expression that treasure is in and of itself valuable. And so would you give something valuable to God if it meant that one more person would come to Jesus Christ? What if God said, I need your house. I need your car. I need your truck. Not my truck. I like my truck. What if God said, I I do need your cash. I need your finances in order to reach one more for Jesus. Would you willingly and cheerfully give that to God? And here's the principle tonight. When you do, God can multiply that. No matter how insignificant you think it is, God can take any gift and he can multiply it. In Luke chapter 21, in verses 1 through 4, we have a pretty incredible story. I have it up here on the screen. If you want to jump there in your Bibles, you can. But Here's how the story goes. Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts in the offering box. Even, even just that makes, makes some interesting observations. And then he saw the poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, truly, I tell you this, this poor widow has put in more than all those rich guys. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in all that she had 
to live on. Sometimes when we go to figure out our budgets, and I'm a big fan of budgets, we set up our budgets and we say, you know what? I need this much for food. I need this much for housing. I need this much for gas. I need this much for clothes. I need this much for Christmas gifts. When all that's figured out, we then say, all right, here's the leftovers. And what are we going to do with that? Well, some of that we can give to God. And so we often give God the leftovers. The principle in scripture is that God says, don't, don't give the leftovers. He says, give your first fruits. The first consideration that we have with our treasure is what can I do with it for God? And in the story of the widow, God was honored when she just said, I know I've got to eat. I know I need my house. I know I have to have gas for my car food for my horse, whatever she had, and I'm just going to give God everything anyway. And God was honored when this widow illogically and irrationally decided to give everything. She walked up to the offering baskets, and all she had was two metal coins. I have two pennies in my hand. Pennies aren't worth much anymore. Growing up, we would go to a cabin up in the central Pennsylvania, and in the town near our cabin, there was a penny store. You remember those? And my parents would give us pennies, and it was usually pennies that we pulled out of uh, phone booths and arcade machines at the boardwalk, because that's what we did growing up. And then we would go to the penny store, and we would run in there, and I would, with as many pennies as I could, buy Red Hots. You know what Red Hots are? So if you get the little fake Christmas tree cookie graham cracker things and they stick the red thing on them to make it look like mistletoe and you eat, that's, those are Red Hots. Red Hots were my favorite growing up. I loved the little cinnamon Red Hots. And, and if I could get pennies, I'd go to the penny store and I could buy a Red Hot. Listen, pennies don't even buy Red Hots anymore. They carry almost no value in today's community, in today's time. I mean, 99 cents can just barely get you an app nowadays. I can't even get an app for 99 cents anymore. And this widow took something that was worth less than two pennies, and she gave it to God, and God was honored. Do you think God said, I can't do anything with that gift? I can't feed 5,000 people. I can't build a new temple. I can't hand out more tracts. I can't. Do anything with those two mites. God said, no, I can multiply that gift. That widow gave all she had, all of her treasure, for the sake of honoring the Lord. What would you be willing to give if it meant one more person would come to Christ? Now, we get a little bit more personal. Would you be willing to give your kids? What if God said, hey, I need your kids. I need your kids for the kingdom. I need to see them I want, I want your kid to become a missionary or a pastor. And you're like, no, I was banking on my kids for my retirement fund. <laughs> like, they can't, those are not big money. Doctor, yes, lawyer, sure. Pastor, I mean, really? I need your kids to tell their friends about Jesus at school. Oh, uh, well, that's asking a little much because that could be awkward. They might get bullied or made fun of, and that's not really frowned. I, what if God asked for you to give you your kids? If it meant somebody else would come to Christ, would you be willing to do it? No. God's not going to ask me for that. That's, that's kind of crazy. I mean, that's not realistic. For God so loved the world that he gave his only kid. I love my kids. Am I willing to give them to God? Am I willing to say, God, anything you want them to do, anywhere you want them to go, any way you want them to be salt and light, I will give them to you. There's an incredible story in 1 Samuel of a lady named Hannah. And Jenny and I studied the life of Hannah when we were having trouble 
having kids of our own, and she was a young lady who went year after year to the temple, and she prayed, God, allow me to have kids, allow me to have kids, allow me to have kids, and she wasn't able to have kids. Finally, she prayed a prayer one year, and, and Eli was there, and she said to God, God, if you allow me to have kids, I will just give him back to you. And that was the year that she got pregnant. Hannah got pregnant, and she birthed a son, and his name was Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, I believe, or the end of chapter 1, it says something along the lines of, this is the child that I prayed for. And then Hannah turns around and brings the child back to the temple and gives the child to God. Just gives him to God. This was who she prayed for. This was who she, she cried over. This is what, what, what she believed she wanted more than anything in this world is to have her own son. And then when she had her son, she turned around and gave him to God. And Samuel became the leader of a nation. Samuel became a kingmaker who followed after God, all because Hannah prayed and then released her child to follow God. Would you be willing? Would you be willing? This is the heart of the gospel. You know, the gospel isn't just a start of a relationship with God. The gospel is an ongoing relationship with God. Because of the gospel, we live the lives we live in the way that we live. Gospel isn't just saving us. Gospel is helping us live the way God wants us to live. And when you go through the story of the gospel using the three circles or whatever method you use, when you get to this, God gave his only begotten son. He gave his son so that we all could have life. What would you be willing to give so that others could have life? What would you give to God knowing that he could multiply it and do some incredible things with it? God gave his only son so that all of us could have life eternal. Are you a follower of Jesus? Have you put your personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Tonight, if you're here and you're not sure if you're saved, if you're not sure you're following God, I want to invite you into a relationship with God. If you're listening online, live, or on a, on a recording of this, are you a disciple of Jesus? God died for you. God loves you. And God wants to solve the problem of sin and brokenness in our world. And all you need to do to become a follower of Jesus is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Tonight I want to invite you into that personal relationship with God. Have a conversation with the person that brought you. After the service there will be prayer counselors in the front. Come talk with any of them. We'd love to share with you more about how you can know for sure that you're a follower of God and that you will someday spend eternity with God in heaven and be saved from eternal damnation in hell. Would you be willing to give your kids? God was willing to give his only son. As we close, let me ask one more area. Would you be willing to give your health? You know, this is a hard one because we like being healthy. <laughs> We like being comfortable. And the plan, and according to the three circles conversation, the plan was that we would have healthy bodies, that we would live in a perfect world. But sin, when it entered this world, broke this world and it broke our bodies. And so we deal with things like Alzheimer's. We deal with things like Parkinson's. We deal with things like cancer and accidents and hurricanes and floods. And again, the gospel has come into this because God wants to restore all, us, all of us and solve this sin problem. But in the meantime, in this world, you will have trouble. Are you willing to give God your trouble? If it meant somebody could come to Christ. Would you be willing to give God as a gift your pain, your hurt, your offense, your heartache, your health? Lord, if if taking my hearing means that you can do something incredible, strengthen my walk with you so that I can reach more people for Christ, then God, I will gladly, cheerfully give you my hearing. I will give you my ability to walk. I will even shorten the days of my life if that means you can use it for strengthening your kingdom. Would you be willing to give God your comfort, your clarity of mind, one of the major stumbling blocks in Christians reaching other people for Christ is a self 
focus in trials. So many times when we start going through trials, we it becomes all about me. It becomes all about what I need and how I hurt and how we fix this. And listen, when you go through trials, there is an appropriate level of self-consideration that has to take place. You will have to rest. You will have to come up with a plan. You will have to see doctors. But God says, hand all that to me. Cast all your cares on me because I care for you. God says, be a part of the church. We are going to carry one another's burdens so that when Jared's mom finds out she has colon cancer, we as a church can wrap our arms around Jared and say, we're walking with you through this. So that when a loved one loses their life, we are there during the grieving process, holding them up, caring for them, and showing them the love of Jesus. But our burdens are never supposed to overwhelm us, and our burdens are never supposed to become an excuse that we use to not share the gospel. So when that cancer diagnosis comes, when that unexpected accident happens, when that sudden emergency takes place, you now have a unique opportunity to be a witness for the gospel that you didn't have the moment before. And in this season of life, whatever it may be, God is calling you to be light and salt through this season and through that trial. And he wants to use your pain and your hurt and your sickness for good. Will you give it to him? Will you give God your cancer? Will you give God your pain? Because God can take any gift you give him and he can multiply it for the kingdom. So some of us may be challenged tonight about even giving God something as simple as time or treasure. Maybe I need to trust him with my finances. Trust him with the future of my kids and my family. Share my spouse a little bit more. Not be so envious or jealous when he's out serving Jesus. Or going and doing it together. Sharing my kids for the sake of the kingdom. But tonight, No matter what comes through the rest of 2019 and in 2020, Branch Life Church, are you willing to say, no matter what happens, I will give that to Christ for the sake of others coming to him. Even if it means my health. To kind of demonstrate what we mean, I wanted wanted to give you this verse to show you we're not making this up. Romans 12, chapter 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your what? Bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, other versions say, reasonable act of worship. When I know what God did for me, the gospel, I am then willing to say, God, whatever, whatever I can give you, everything I have is yours. I surrender all for you, knowing that you can multiply any any measly gift I can give and do incredible things with it. If you give God that time, if you give God that talent, if you give God that treasure, that child, that sickness, God can do incredible things with it. So just give it to God. Let's see this in action through this video. I think each year I focus on like, okay, God, what do you want from me from this year? How will I grow? How do you want to stretch me in new ways? Is there a verse or a word or prayer? And I kept going back to 2 Corinthians 4. So I was like, okay, I'm going to journal through this verse. And three points came and they each had a vision or the word eyes or whatever. And I just, I didn't think anything of it. And I asked God, okay, Lord, like, let this be true of me. Guide this year by focusing on my gaze on you. That was January 9th. I went about my day. The kids started school. We were um, doing well. And uh, my husband mentioned like, hey, you've been kind of like tripping over things lately. And maybe you should get your eyes checked. And we both kind of laughed because I've never had glasses in my life. And I was like, okay, I guess this is just aging. And so Um, I made an eye appointment and got in January 16th. And so, you know, I started my appointment. She did the eye chart, 2020. 
um, she started to do a peripheral test and she said, what number am I holding up? And I said, I don't even see your arm. As the appointment progressed, she got more and more concerned. Um, I finally was like, so what does all this mean? And she said, you know, you may either have a brain tumor or you are going blind. She carried on that, you know, blindness is the trajectory of this disorder called retinitis pigmentosa, where your photoreceptors die in the back of your eye until you um, lose your peripherals. Basically, it just closes into a tunnel until your tunnel closes. Um, so she said, you know, judging by what you have, you've got about 58% is already lost. I'm 35 years old. She's saying I could, you know, it'll progress relatively quickly and each appointment has basically been worse news and um, you know they thought maybe originally I would lose my sight in my 60s or 70s and and genetic testing and all these things have kind of fast forwarded my timeline to my 40s if not by the time I turned 40 and so the days that followed that appointment were really overwhelming and heavy but at the same time like I felt so close with the Lord and so sure of my purpose in this. My husband's one and my one that we've been praying for have both been impacted by my diagnosis. She came to my doorstep and said, I read your blog and I don't understand how you can reconcile that there is a good God with what you're going through, but I wanna, I wanna try to understand. So it's been so cool, the fact that it's, we're only six months in at this point to the diagnosis and seeing the way God's drawing not only ourselves to him, but people that we've been praying for for years to, to see him in a new way. There have been days where I'm like, this stinks. You know, I wanna see my grandkids. I wanna see my kids walk across the stage or walk down the aisle. But at the same time, like, God is a good God who does not withhold things from his children. And he's giving me something in the place of what's being taken that's far better than sight. You know, there was an interesting point that she made at the end. God is a good God, and He is a giver of every good and perfect gift. And oftentimes when God asks for something and we feel like we're sacrificing, He then multiplies and gives us, in return, something far better. And if we would just trust God with all of our things, with all of our time, with all of our talent, with all of our treasure, with our own kids, with our own health, just trust God. No matter what comes, no matter how weird we think it is, no matter how wrong we think God is playing it out, just trust God with it. You will find that God is a good God and that he is caring for you and doing something even greater through that gift that you give. God can multiply any gift you give him. Tonight, we just ask the question, what will you give to honor God? If in this next year to reach your one, God asked you to sacrifice, God asked you to give something big, something valuable, something precious, would you give it for the sake of that one? We have a dream and we are praying as a church that every person who's connected to Branch Life would reach one person for Jesus who would follow in believer's baptism in 2020. It's an awesome dream. But tonight I'm here to say it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take intention. We're going to have to pray every day. We're going to have to bless those around us and invest in relationships and in our community. And that's going to take time, energy, and treasure. It's going to take giving of ourselves for the sake of the lost to see this happen. God, less of me and more of you. And if you're in here tonight saying, what about me? What about my needs? What about my concern? What about my spiritual growth? I fully believe that if you go all in in reaching other people for Jesus, you will grow spiritually like you have never grown before. Who learns the most during class? The teacher or the student? It's the teacher. Who learns the most during church? The preacher or the congregation? It's the preacher. When I do everything in my power to help someone else grow in their relationship with Jesus, who grows? Who grows more? The disciple or the disciplee? 
the discipler. You want to pray more? Help someone else pray. If you want to understand the Bible more, help someone else understand the Bible. If you want to be more dedicated to the church, help someone else be dedicated to the church. If you want to be a better witness in your community, help someone else be a better witness to your, in your community. If you want to grow closer to Jesus, help someone else grow closer to Jesus. If you want to heal, help someone else heal. If you want to get through the grieving process, help someone else grieve. Norman Schwarzkopf said, hey, two soldiers need to get to the top of the hill. One's healthy and one's injured. And the healthy soldier would carry the injured soldier to the top of the hill. How many soldiers make it to the top of the hill? Two. They both do. When we give our gifts to God, he can multiply it. And I believe firmly that if we go all in in helping other people strengthen their connection to Christ so that they can reach our world, it happens to us. It's multiplied in us more than we could ever do if we just focused on ourselves. I believe that for you and I believe that as for our church. So tonight we want to end our time together with a bit of a response. We have the 12 baskets that symbolize the fullness of God's blessing when we just give to him. And you have in your hand a card. You can use your next step card or you can use your bookmark, one or the other or both. And tonight, as we close, we're going to ask the praise team just to allow us to have some music in the background. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and I'm going to invite you into a time of prayer. And there's two things that I want to encourage you to write on your card. One of them is, what do you believe God is asking you to sacrifice or to give for the sake of the kingdom? And it may be something very specific. The Holy Spirit talked to you about one of these things that we brought up. It may be something that's not even on my radar tonight that you say, you know what, I know I'm supposed to give this. I know I'm supposed to do this. And it may be time, attention, an email, a, a, a commitment, a, an ability to serve. I don't, I don't know. But what would it be that you will give to Jesus? And if it's here, God, anything, I will give you anything. If you put the word anything on here, be ready for God to ask for anything. So be willing. God, I will give you so that someone can come to Christ and I can strengthen in my connection with Christ. The second thing I want to ask you to put is the name of your one. I want you to put the name of your one on the card. And then after I'm done praying and we go into a season where the, the praise team is just going to lead us in prayer, I want to ask you to, to publicly take the name of your one and the gift that you're willing to give represented on these cards. And I want you to bring them up to the basket and have a season of prayer here in the front. And then give these gifts and these names to God. Pray for your one. By name. Pray for them to know Jesus. Pray for them to follow in believers' baptism. Pray for conversations and blessing and pray for God to move and, and, and however the Spirit leads you, pray for that one. Right here, you kneel in the front. You can sit in the chairs there, but pray. Have a season of prayer for that one and pray for whatever God would ask you to give and talk to God and tell him what you will give to him, whether it's your health, whether it's your, your time, your talent, your treasure, whatever it may be. Say, God, I will give you for the sake of, and I'm asking you to move. I also want you to pray for the person to your right, the person to your left, the person behind you, the person in front of you. If you come up here and you don't know their names, but they're here when you're praying, just pray for them. Pray for what they're giving. Pray for their one, not by name, but by representation. So spend some time praying for your card and then praying for another card. Drop it in here. And then head back to your seat once you've completed your prayer. And at some point during the process, the praise team will transition from just playing some music to leading us in a time of worship. That'll be your cue to kind of head back to your seats if you've moved out of them. Do you have to get out of your chair? Do you have to come pray in the front? No, you can do it right in the quietness of your seat. And you're certainly welcome to do that. But I would encourage you to come up and participate in this time of response as we close our Who's Your One series, but we launch into the rest of 2020. As we prepare for this response time, let's pray together. God, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use these moments to seal into our spirits what you are asking us to do. God, that this would go from more than an interesting conversation and an interesting Bible study to some uh, intentional action steps that you would allow us to be a part of as a church. 
We pray, God, that you would speak to us very specifically about what you would have us be willing to give, who you would have us be willing to pray for. And God, we will bring to you in these moments one name, maybe more names, and we will ask, God, that you would work through the power of your Holy Spirit to see these ones come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. Maybe they come to a church service. Maybe they come to a Christmas Eve time. Maybe they come to a group. Maybe we have coffee together. Maybe we don't know what you will do in the months ahead. But God, we're willing to do whatever it takes to seek and to save that which was lost. And God, we know it starts with one. So God, use us. Use us as individuals and as a church to reach people with the good news of the gospel. In your precious name we pray. Whenever you're ready, participate in this time of response.